Hello? Is this thing on? Uh, testing. Testing. Okay. October 4th, 1959. Day one. I am recording this from inside my fallout shelter. I've stockpiled a six-week supply of essentials. Campbell's soup, Hawaiian punch, cornflakes, spam, Oreos, and tang. I've got 60-gallon containers of water, a hot plate, can opener, axe, pocket knife, toilet paper. <laughs> Can't forget that. First aid kit, a supply of candles in case they cut the power, and a generator for when the power grid fails completely. I've got a portable radio to monitor the news, extra batteries, and this tape recorder. My Winchester and a ham radio to make contact with other survivors, if any. This is Ed Trumbull, and I am, very possibly, the last human on Earth. Artist Ensemble Theatre presents Mysterious Journey, Theatre for the Mind. And for Ed Trumbull, the mind can be a terrifying place. This episode is adapted from a short story by science fiction writer Philip K. Dick, the eyes have it. If you're listening to this recording in some distant future, you already know there was no war. No Russian nukes. Those duck and cover drills were useless. It was aliens. The invasion happened right under our noses, and no one noticed. I discovered that Earth had been infiltrated by life forms from another planet quite by accident. At first, I didn't believe all the evidence. Once I fully grasped what was happening, I wrote to the federal government. They sent back a pamphlet on fluoride and drinking water, assuring me it was safe. I was confused. Still, I thought, the feds have to know. J. Edgar Hoover probably has men on the problem. Ha! I called the local office to report, and they laughed. Laughed. My sister, Peggy, urged me to see a doctor. That's when I knew that thing urging me to talk to someone wasn't Peggy. Peggy had been replaced. You see, they look like us. They walk among us, but they aren't human. Like I said, I found out by accident on the Crosstown bus. It was an ordinary day, a Tuesday. I was headed home from the office when I saw that someone had left behind a paperback book. I picked it up and looked around, but I was the last passenger. I dropped the book in my briefcase and forgot it. That evening, after I heated up my usual TV dinner, they're surprisingly tasty, I settled in my easy chair and idly glanced at the book. Julia's Uncanny Journey, <laughs> Bleh, I thought, randomly flipping through the pages. Then I got my first clue that something strange was going on. I glanced at a sentence. Then I went back and reread it carefully. For a moment, I froze. It took a moment for the full import of the words to sink in. Then, in a blinding flash, comprehension. I couldn't believe I hadn't noticed right away. This book was clearly never meant to fall into human hands. It openly referred to a non-human species of incredible properties. A species not indigenous to Earth. A species that masquerades as everyday human beings, replicating people, your friends, your boss, your sister Peggy. I shudder to think what happened to the originals once the carbon copies were in place. The disguise, however, was revealed by the observations of the book's author. 
The writer knew everything. Everything! I, I checked the cover. Dolores P. Atwater was the author, and she knew. What's more, Dolores P. Atwater took it for granted, as if her readers knew too. As if the existence of aliens among us with uncanny abilities was common knowledge. The line, and I tremble with horror to recall it even now, read, Trevor's eyes slowly roved about the room. I got chills. I tried to picture Trevor's eyes. Did they roll on the floor like marbles? Did they float through the air like tiny balloons? No one in the story reacted. Trevor's eyes literally detached from his face and no one lifted an eyebrow. That's what tipped me off. The narrative continued. His eyes moving from person to person. My heart began to pound. I had stumbled on the casual mention of an obviously non-terrestrial race, yet to the characters in the book it seemed perfectly normal, suggesting that they too belonged to the same species. A slow suspicion began to burn in me. Exactly who was Dolores P. Atwater? She had made no attempt to conceal Trevor's extraordinary abilities. Could Dolores be... one of them? The story continued. Presently, Trevor's eyes fastened upon Julia. Oh, the poor woman. But unlike the others in the room, Julia reacted. Julia noted Trevor's eyes and scowled furiously. At a girl, Earth woman. The narrative went on. Slowly, his eyes examined every inch of her. <laughs> Great Scott! At this indignity, Julia turned and stomped out of the room. I lay back in my chair, my brain reeling. I turned to the back cover where there was a brief bio of Dolores P. Atwater. She claimed to live in Brooklyn. Could be. The real question was, where was she born? It didn't say. Probably spawned in a test tube on Vega 5. I suddenly felt exposed. It was dark outside, and I was right in front of the picture window. Anyone, any thing could be out there and see me reading this book, a book clearly never meant to fall into human hands. I switched off the lights and ran to the garage where there were no windows. Maybe I was overreacting. Maybe I'd misunderstood. Trembling, I grabbed a flashlight and opened the book again, skipping a few pages ahead. Trevor put an arm around Julia, pulling her close. Fiercely, Julia ordered him to remove his arm and he obeyed. Smiling. Oh my god. It didn't say what Trevor did with his arm after he removed it. Maybe he stood it upright in a corner. Maybe he tossed it, knowing full well he would soon sprout a new arm. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Julia ordered him to remove his arm. I thought Julia was human. Oh god, I've been so naive. Julia's the one issuing orders. Clearly, she is Trevor's superior, his commanding officer, his, his, his queen. The book was maddeningly unclear. In any case, Dolores P. Atwater's reporting was right there on the page. Earth had been invaded by a race of creatures that can, at will, remove portions of their anatomy. Eyes, arms, maybe more. This is where my knowledge of biology came in handy. Obviously, we're talking about a primitive unicellular organism no more complex than starfish. Starfish are capable of regenerating severed parts, you know. <laughs> I skipped ahead. 
and came to this incredible revelation. Outside the movie theater, we split up. Part of us went inside, part of us headed to the cafe. Oh. My. God. Binary fission. Splitting in half and forming two separate entities. I theorized that the lower halves went to the cafe, it being further away, and the upper halves to the movies. I read on, hands shaking. I really was on to something here. Then I saw this. No doubt about it, poor Bill had lost his head again. Followed by, Jake admitted it, he had no guts. Get this. After losing his head, Bill got around as well as the next guy, provided the next guy was also a unicellular alien capable of binary fission. And he was, because the next guy was Zeke, who Atwater described as, uh, uh, wait for it, totally lacking in brains. Give that a moment to sink in. A few pages later, Julia, whom I'd once thought to be human, God, I was naive, reveals her true self. There was no use resisting. Julia had given her heart to Trevor. God only knows what Trevor did with it. I no longer cared what happened to Julia, now that the truth was out. Besides, a quick glance ahead and it was clear that, far from dropping dead without a heart, Julia went right on living. Just like the rest of us, aliens mimicking human behavior, minus a heart, an arm, eyes, brains, and viscera, going to work, riding the bus, meeting at restaurants, and dividing in two whenever the mood struck. I steeled myself and skipped ahead. Gladly, Julia gave him her hand. I felt sick. Not content with confiscating Julia's heart, now Trevor has added her hand to his collection. And he didn't stop there. <laughs> For the next line read, Then Trevor took her arm. Of course he did. Greedy Trevor wasn't content to wait for Julia to offer up body parts. Now he was openly dismantling her. I slammed the book shut and leapt to my feet. But just before the pages closed, I glimpsed one more bit of evidence of ambulatory alien anatomy. Julia's heart took wing. Yikes! And her eyes followed Trevor down the road. I fled the garage back into the house, a house where I no longer felt safe, as if Julia's disembodied eyes were following me. I tried. Lord knows I tried to sound the alarm. I contacted the feds. I phoned the FBI. I wrote letters to the editor. I did my best to warn friends and family, until I began to suspect that those whom I held dear were no more. And in their place pod people. That's when I began stocking the shelter. If there is anyone left out there, anyone human that is, I will broadcast weekly. Good luck. And a word of warning, don't let anyone, not even someone who looks like mom, take your arm. The Eyes Have It was adapted by Margaret Rather and performed by David A. Gingrich, both members of Artist Ensemble Theatre. While stages around the world remain dark, AET is producing theatre for the mind. Learn more about Artist Ensemble Theatre at artistensemble.org. Remember, the word artists is plural. And if you enjoyed this episode, please hit the donate button on the AET homepage.